Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm wondering if you can describe to me what Election Day is going to look like for you. Like, are you going to go to the polls on Election Day? Oh, I can't. first time voting, you think I'm going to let them get away that easy? I'm going to vote. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty hard to miss the joy in Dwayne Comer's voice when you talk to him about the election. This is the first year Dwayne is going to be able to cast a ballot. He says if he had his way, he'd drive a Cadillac to the polls. You know what I'm actually going to do? I'm going to record it on my phone because this is really going to be nice. Just roll up. Hmm. Yes. Roll up, go in, do the vote, have someone who's there, you know, just film me doing this. Because this, to me, <laughs> is monumental. <laughs> if I told, like, 18-year-old you that you were this hyped for voting, would he have believed you? No. No. Huh. <laughs> no, not, not at all. <laughs> Dwayne is 50 now. Part of the reason his younger self might not have understood this excitement is that he was living a pretty different life back then. Dwayne spent most of his adulthood incarcerated, watching elections play out with his fellow inmates in the prison law library. And me now actually getting that opportunity, I wouldn't miss it for the world. I know this, not only am I going to be smiling, the ones that was in that law library going to be smiling. I wanted to talk to Dwayne because... I just want to channel his enthusiasm all the way to Election Day. It's the same reason we asked all of you to call in and share the ways you've been preparing to make your vote count this election season. Hi, Mary. Hey, Mary. I've never voted for a Democrat before. Um, and I've written like 100 letters. I am mailing and in. We decided to hold a ballot party. Engaging. See everyone come out to And vote. make sure my voice is heard. You guys really delivered on that, by the way. But this year, when the smallest of margins could tip the scales, new voters, like Dwayne, are in high demand. Both parties are racing to register them, tallying them up as evidence that their party is building a mandate. So over the next few weeks, we're going to focus on these first-timers, talk about what's motivating them. Because for people like Dwayne, who've only recently gotten the right to vote, a lot's on the line on November 3rd. Are you nervous about the outcome? A little, but I know that it has to be done because we can't afford another four years like this we just went through. It's going to be hard on black and brown people. Today on the show, when your first time at the polls feels like the most consequential election of your lifetime. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick with us. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. 
Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. There are a lot of Dwayne Comers out there this year. Since 2016, more than a million current and formerly imprisoned Americans have regained the right to vote. One advocate called this constituency an invisible army. Dwayne's story starts in Syracuse, New York. His family moved there so he could be close to an uncle. But when his uncle got sick, Dwayne felt like he had to start fending for himself. We had to create ways to be able to eat. I used to go to an old place called Chicago Market and carry bags and get paid quarters. Yeah, see someone come out of a bunch of grocery bags. Hi, miss. Well, do you need any help? Pick the bags up and help them, load them up in their car or him in his car, and they give us a quarter, 50 cents, or a dollar. And those was, to us, a lot because we was able to buy cheese and bologna and bring it home. So I had to create ways, and that started me to hustling. That's the beginning of hustling back at my time. So how did you end up in the game? In 84, it became a boom all over in our community. The crack cocaine had hit. People was making so much fast money that, you know, you start seeing people buying all kind of fancy cars, all kind of fancy bikes, throwing all kind of fancy parties. That's what the time was. So one of my baby mother's brother introduced me to it. And... I basically took off from there. Dwayne started selling crack around the neighborhood. The local newspapers called him a kingpin. But he says the way he got caught, looking back, seems random. On the way back from a shopping trip to Manhattan, he and some friends got singled out. I will never forget this. The police officer was sitting on top of his car. He seen four black people, me driving. I got the car on cruise control of 55, the speed limit. Hmm. You're like, I'm not getting pulled over. It was like an old Dukes of Hazzard show. He throws his food down, throws his coffee, run and jump in the car like we don't did something in front of me. And we looking at it like we couldn't believe it, like a movie. He came straight down there and pulled us over. On any other day, the traffic stop might have been nothing. But it turned out one of Dwayne's friends had drugs on him. The guy fled the officer, got caught, ultimately did jail time. But while he was in there... He informed on Dwayne in exchange for a more lenient sentence. You were sentenced to life plus. Right. Do you do you remember when that sentence came down? Yes. Yes. I was sitting at the table playing cards with four people. We, we was playing spades. Um, I knew they was coming to get me to sentence me. When they came to get me, I said, oh, okay. Uh, I left. Light was nothing. Everybody playing cards. Somebody took my place. They just knew I was going to get sentenced. So um, I left, went and received the sentence, came back, got back on the car, car game, started playing. Um, so we were playing, it got a, a little late, around three or four or whatever. And then it came on the TV that Dwayne Comer, you know, um, drug kingpin out of Southside, had just received, and they said my sentence. So everybody looked, they, they mouth dropped because hmm. <laughs> I was so normal. It just felt like, and I honestly, this is honest. This is so honest. When they sent it to me, I felt like a relief. 
it just felt relief. That's why I was playing cards like that. It was so I could say now I can begin to fight. And that's what it felt like, you know? I mean, they're still using the word kingpin when they talk about you in the papers. It sounds like you're saying that's a misnomer. It's it's that. It's definitely that. But the whole, you know, I'm I'm at the point I'm at peace with it. Okay. All right. But did I really deserve that type of sentence? Look at the amount of drugs that they found. Look at what look at the case. Did I really deserve that type of sentence? No violence, no nothing. Never in my life been no violent person. Did I really deserve that kind of draconian sentence? Is is the question that I want to always go before Congress and say they really need to consider the type of sentence that they're giving people. That sentence was draconian. Dwayne got sent to federal prison in Lewisburg, Pennsylvania. Eventually, he made a friend who told him to check out the prison's law library. And it quickly became a kind of home. He spent as much time as he could studying, looking to see if there was any way he could modify his sentence. I've heard a lot of incarcerated people talk about being inside as a kind of political awakening. How did that work for you? When did you start paying attention to the politics in the outside world? Um, in the law library, when you get all your motion denied, everyone in the law library getting all their motion to de- deny, all the conservative judges, they just was denying everything. We wasn't getting nothing at the law library. And some of us go up there from 8 in the morning to 8 at night trying to file motion and petitions and help each other and try to really, you know, get issues granted. And we're going, we're dealing with like 12 circuits. So we're all putting our minds together and reading all the laws and they're still not passing them. And you're seeing when the different presidents come in, what their conversation is, what they're going to do when they come in. That's when, you know, that's the only thing we could do is hope that the outside world able to put the right one in there to help us. On the inside, Dwayne realized all the ways politics could impact him directly. Presidents appoint judges. Judges decide cases. Presidents also shepherd legislation. A year before Dwayne was put on trial, President Clinton had worked to pass the Anti-Terrorism and Effective Death Penalty Act, the EDPA. Among other things, EDPA gave people who were incarcerated just one year to file a petition challenging their incarceration. This was a major tool a prisoner like Dwayne could use, but only if he could get through these new restrictions. Now you talk about people who's coming from the street who don't have no education because they have sold drugs, used drugs, shot people or shot at people. And, you know, that tension that they come up with, it's going to take a year to, to even get that off you. You asking them to come in here and file a motion and know what to file, how to file it in one year. That's impossible. If you don't, then you, you, you're all done. Listening to you talk, it sounds like you went into the prison system and very quickly realized how much elections could impact your life (laughs) because these decisions about how much time you had to file an appeal, they were impacting the people around you every day. 
Right, right. And I'm looking, I'm doing motion, and I'm um, helping individuals with, do petitions. I'm even helping older people, like, who can't read or write. And, like, lawyers do them so wrong, and they don't understand. 10, 15 years later, I'm telling them what the lawyer don't did. And they can't get in because it's ADPA. And that would um, really hurt us. And, you know, that's what made us pay attention to how important it was for the presidents to, you know, because presidents was changing the shape of the laws that was as they was coming in. Did it bother you to not be able to participate politically? Yeah, it, it bothered me because, you know, I felt like you got all the men in jail who want to vote. You know, you watched Trump campaign from behind bars. I'm curious how you thought about him, because it, it's pretty clear to me that you were pretty politically active and interested by the time he began to run. Yes. He was very racist. But I think at the time, people was fed up with um, the Clintons. They was fed up with the Bushes, the Clinton. And that's how I think he slid in there. Yeah, I mean, I can hear your frustration because you clearly were frustrated with Clinton from before, too. Yes. And then, you know, they're using this super predator things uh, to, to, to criminalize, uh, still criminalize us and locking us up at a mass amount. Of, and even uh, uh, Clinton, Hillary tried to justify when Bill Clinton had admitted at the Black Caucus that he was wrong. She tried to justify it. So ain't nobody want to hear it no more. So they was willing to vote for anybody except for her because of the frustration. We'll be back after the break. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing... The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. As Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton fought out the 2016 election, Dwayne was fighting his own battle for sentence relief. When he wasn't in the law library... He was in the mailroom, sending out dozens of letters to legal entities and advocacy groups, pleading his case. Meanwhile, President Obama was taking steps in an effort to stem the growth of mass incarceration before his second term was up. That included granting over a thousand commutations, including about 500 people with life sentences. Obama had already started letting mass amount of people out. So all of us that fit that criteria started to follow them. Because I used to write everybody under the sun. Because I was, to me, I was done totally wrong. And I was not going to let him leave without even saying at least denied so I know he heard me. How many letters were you writing then? Like a week, a month? Oh, I would go to the mailroom at least three times a week, at least. So tell me about the moment you knew that the commutation was happening. At that 9 o'clock that morning, I was going to um, law library to actually meet someone. I helped them with their, their case because they kept asking me, kept asking me. So I said, okay, I'll meet you there in the morning. And as I was going out the, um, 
right here at the door is the CO. And the CO says, at 1 o'clock, you got to go to the lieutenant office. Was that usual? No, it's totally unusual. And then you tell someone at, at 1 o'clock, it usually sends you straight to your lieutenant office right then and there, meaning you don't did something wrong. So I'm wondering, mm. and I, it, it's just bothering me. Bothering, and I come back and I ask him, uh, why did you say at 1 o'clock? He said, that's what time they call for you to come see him. Um, so I said, okay. So I started, and when I went up there to meet the guy, I told the guy, I said, um, at one o'clock, I gotta go to the lieutenant office, so I'm gonna give you all back all your paperwork in case I wind up going to shoot and I don't know what happened. So you were worried you were about to go to solitary? Yes. So when I wind up doing going over there at one o'clock, you see all the our officers lying all the way up to the assistant warden's office. So I'm looking, I'm nervous, you know, I don't wanna talk to anything that way. And it's different from the lieutenant office. So I'm really thinking, I'm really nervous, like I'm, I'm really gone this time. I don't know what I don't did. So I, I can't, you know, fathom what I don't did. I don't know. So they told me the phone was over there on the table. So they asked me to sit down. They said, your attorney want to talk to you. And I can hear her a little bit on the thing. Has, has he come in yet? So um, I go in there and I pick up the phone and say, hello. And she, and she said, um, she asked me to sit down. I said, no, I'm fine. Because I'm still kind of like nervous. She said, he will be announcing on national TV that he's uh, freeing you. How did the room react? Because it sounds like there were a lot of people there. Yeah, it was. And and I said, I was in such of a shock that I said, I'll call you back. <laughs> 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 and everybody bust out laughing. So it was, you know, it was shocking, but it felt good. It just, and you just, they cheered for me when I left. It was like a football game or a basketball game. The whole entire dorm cheered for me. Just think about it. 20, 21 years and eight months. After 21 years behind bars, Dwayne finally returned home. And that's when it, 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 it also hit me. I need to vote. I got this opportunity huh. now. Um, I need to vote because someone is making, having that much power over your life. You have to listen to them at least before they go in there. Yeah. If someone going to um, have this much power over your life, you you definitely want to be able to um, have a say in who it is. I know when you went in, you had some kids. I wonder if you talk to your kids now about voting. Yeah, I talk to them all. My daughters, I talk to them all the time. It's so important to vote now. Um, it's so important to vote with what's going on today. Are they like dad or do you think that they <laughs> they see it? They see it because I always explain the stories I had to go through and the things that I had to do, you know. And I'm still out here pushing it now. Vote. It's so important to vote. I wonder if you feel like you're voting partially for the people you know who can't vote. I definitely am. And there's a whole bunch of men that's in there who didn't get retroactive, who got caught with these sentence enhancement things, who can't get no help, who's still in there. And who that got no retroactive, who's still in there. They And all these politicians that's out here continue to get these votes that's not helping anyone is still in there. You know, we all made mistakes. I just don't like the way that, I mean, I love the way I left. And I'm the perfect one to be out here to push for them. And that's what I'm here for. And I'm going to push, and I'm going to push all the way to the end for them. And they know that I'm doing it. 
and they know I'm doing it for them. Dwayne, thank you so much for making the time to talk to me. You're welcome. Have fun on Election Day. I will. I definitely will. (laughs) Dwayne Comer is a first-time voter in Syracuse, New York. Leading up to Tuesday, November 3rd, the What Next team is going to be bringing you stories from first-time voters just like Dwayne. So if you liked what you heard today, tell a friend. Be sure to check back with our feed leading up to Election Day itself. There's another way you can participate. You can leave us a voicemail. We have been getting tons of messages from all of you telling us how you're planning to make your vote count this election season. One listener called in to explain how convincing her husband that his vote counts has been a really personal journey. Hey, Mary. My name is Mary, too. I'm 54, and so is my husband. And he's never voted in the whole of his life. We've always bickered about it, and he's always stood firm in his belief that his vote doesn't count. So this year, I decided that the thing to do was to tell him that the only thing that I wanted for my birthday was for him to register and vote. And he could continue to believe that his vote didn't count if that's what he wanted to do. But as a personal favor to me, the woman who he loves, that's what I wanted for my birthday. And he did. He voted this year. And I consider that to be success. So I thought I'd share that with anybody who's married to someone or loves someone who doesn't want to vote but wants to make them happy. Thank you. Whatever it takes to get it done. I love getting these voicemails. Keep them coming. You can leave one at 202-888-2588. All right, that's our show. What Next is produced by Mary Wilson, Jason DeLeon, Daniel Hewitt, and Elena Schwartz. We have help and spiritual guidance from Alicia Montgomery and Allison Benedict. I'm Mary Harris. I will catch you back here tomorrow. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.